Graham Church, as we look to the new year, uh, you can look forward to the next couple of months where we'll be in the book of 2 Timothy and uh, have a variety of speakers that have already been planned out for several months. And so I uh, hope you look forward to that and be praying about that. We come to this morning to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to to take that one that's in the seat in front of you and turn to page 1008, 1008. I thought it'd be good to select a text that would encourage us to persevere, to keep striving, to keep moving forward, not only as individuals, but as a church. This is a great text for the Christian race. If you think you're doing well, what do you need to do to continue to finish well? If you think that your life right now is stagnant and you're just maybe kind of going through the, emotion, the emotions, then this text will point you in the right direction to get you back on track. One of the themes that we see throughout Hebrews is this concern that believers will shrink back from their faith. They will turn away from God, drop out of the race as it were. Hebrews 3.12 says it like this, watch out brothers and sisters so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. If you've ever lacked faith and you, you felt like giving up, you're beaten down, uh, it doesn't seem that life is worth it. You, you wonder, does does God care? Maybe you've had thoughts in your head. You know what? I just would like to run away. Just escape it all. You question maybe even, is Christianity even true? Then Hebrews is the book for you. It will bolster our faith if we're listening. So listen again to another passage in Hebrews, verses, chapter 10, verses 32 to 33 and verse 39. But remember the former days when you endured harsh conflict of suffering after you were enlightened, after you were saved. At times you were publicly exposed to abuse and afflictions, and at other times you came to share with others who were treated in that way. But we are not among those who shrink back and thus perish, but are among those who have faith and preserve their souls." So this reminds me of this old Christian hymn, maybe not that old, I remember singing it as a kid, Onward Christian Soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus, going on before Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banner go. It's a call to faith in God, even when we can't see him, to keep fighting to keep following Jesus. So are you at Hebrews 12 yet? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, the text we're actually looking at this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So let's dive right into this text. Uh, Zero on this first phrase here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? What What is he referring to here? Well, we have to pay attention just to that simple grammar, therefore. Therefore tells us, let's look back at chapter 11. What, what kind of witnesses is he referring to? And what we see is this great hall of faith, like the hall of fame, but the hall of faith where men and women exercise faith that please God. And so here's this scene and the picture is, uh, that the author is having this picture to visualize. Maybe a modern day analogy will help. We are racing in an Olympic stadium. Some of you may know Allison Felix. She, she ran for many years in the Olympics. She won seven gold medals, three silver, and one bronze. She also happens to be a follower of Christ. Her dad is an ordained minister. He also teaches in, uh, at, at a Christian university that's uh, very well known. Allison like us, is running in the Christian race of life. And these witnesses are in the stands. See, they're all former athletes in the Christian race. And as Allison is running, she, she, she can see there's, there's Noah. There's Noah. He, he built the ark by faith. And, and there's Abraham and Sarah. They believed God in the midst of difficult times. Sarah couldn't have children because she was too old. And yet by faith she received the ability to have Isaac. And then Abraham, through that great test of having to offer or sacrifice Isaac on the altar, he believed, though he had never seen it before, he believed by faith that God could raise the dead. Look over there. There's that prostitute, Rahab. She didn't perish because by faith she welcomed the spies from Israel. And then there's Gideon and there's Samson and there's King David and Samuel and the list goes on and on and on. This large group of heroes of the faith that we're surrounded by. That's who the cloud of witnesses are. But remember... They were not perfect. They were flawed human beings, and yet they modeled faith for us in the face of adversity. Their obedience was driven by their faith. The author of Hebrews is saying they give us confidence. If we walk by faith and not by sight, they motivate us to finish the race. It's like as if they're in the stands and they're cheering us on. They're chanting here this morning, keep going, fight to the end of faith because God is faithful. He will keep his promises. The message from Hebrews is that no matter what the opposition we face, we can endure with joy if we look to Jesus. So when you're tired and You've grown weary and you're discouraged. This text moves us to stay the course. It helps us to cope with the brutal realities of life. So let's picture for a minute, the author of Hebrews is our coach. 
And he's given us three training lessons for running the Christian race with endurance. Our, our first training session is strip off what hinders. Strip off all that hinders. When you observe Christian or Olympic athletes and they're competing in the games, what you'd never see is someone carrying a backpack on their shoulder, around their back. They're, they're, they're not wearing long clothes or coats or big hiking boots. I mean, just think about swimmers, right? They, they shave every hair off their body in order to, be, uh, to have nothing that would hinder them in, in their competing. Runners wear light shoes. Uh, they wear practically the least amount of clothing that they, they can in order to have the least amount of resistance. So the author calls his readers to lay aside every weight and every sin that impedes us. Sin is all around us. It's inside of us. And what does it do? It trips us up. Sometimes we give in to sin and we fall down. It ensnares us. But when some Christians hear that we need to lay aside sin, we need to avoid it, they think, well, I'll just isolate myself from all those bad people out there. But that's not what Jesus prayed, right? When he was praying for his disciples, he said, don't take them out of the world. That's not what I'm asking you to do, Father. But instead, protect them. Keep them safe from evil and temptation. So when we're in the world, we have to run. And of course, not step in the mud puddles. Sin is so attractive. It, it lures us in. We find ourselves weak and susceptible to sinful anger. Maybe we don't want to forgive someone who sinned against us. Or we worry because we can't control our circumstances. In order to run well, we have to resist sin and temptation. We have to fight against it if we're going to run well. But it's... But the coach is not just concerned about sin. He also wants us to lay aside every weight, our text says. Every weight. Any, anything that hinders us. So these weights, they're oftentimes good things. They're, they're, they're actually things that we enjoy in this life. But we all know that too much of anything can become a hindrance. Too much food, and we become bloated and lethargic. Too much caffeine... And we become hyper and then crash. It really doesn't take us long to realize that we easily overindulge in the pleasures of this life and that hampers our ability to run well for God. Let me give you some examples. Take, for instance, family. It's good to be with family, right? It's, we invest in family, but if I give all my time to family activities and ignore loving my neighbor, spending time with my coworker, fellowshipping consistently with my church family, then family actually becomes a hindrance to my Christian walk or take work. It's important to be a hard worker, to work hard. Christians ought to represent that well. But work without rest, drains us spiritually. But let's talk about hobbies, entertainment. We, we all have interests that God has given for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy the good things that God has given us. 
But how quickly do we quickly shift to obsessively giving ourselves to them and then neglecting to spend time with God or to serve the Lord? Christian, we would do well just to to think for a minute and to evaluate our lives and ask, what is distracting you? What is hindering your Christian race? What is getting in the way and pulling you away from the Lord? We would do good to look at our lives and consider, what should I lay aside? The coach is not saying, stop having fun, stop enjoying the things of this life. He's not saying you need to give up everything, you know, just, just, just forget anything that's of any type of enjoyment. But whatever weight is lending us to be in balance, we ought to give less time to that. We ought to give less attention to that. The priority ought to be for the Christian is what is going to spiritually strengthen me? What is going to uh, exhibit a life of obedience to God? So we're reminded just of these simple fundamentals of the faith for the Christian. Let's invest more in the Word. Let's invest more to crying out to God for our needs and our wants. Let's spend more time in fellowship. Let's spend more time telling others about the gospel. Let's be people of the word. Let's be involved in investing in people. Still enjoy the pleasures of this life, but let's give ourselves to what is the priority. So we have to, of course, strip off what hinders anything. We have to evaluate that, but we also have to stay focused on the prize. Stay focused on the prize. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that running the Christian race is not easy. If you're actually engaged, it's difficult. The, the original word that is actually used to describe race means agony. That, that, that's how you would translate agony. The race is a struggle. We, we know Christianity is no walk in the park. I've tried the running thing for a little while, and I, I don't like it. Uh, Runners talk about this uh, experience of, of high uh, adrenaline. I don't know what it is because I've, I've never, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You go the distance and then you feel it, right? All I felt was pain and loss of breath. <laughs> if you're engaged in running hard after God, you're in a battle. You're in the war of your life. If you're not fighting to grow in your Christian life, you know what's happening? You are automatically drifting backwards. That's the nature of how the Christian life works. You're either moving forward or you're drifting backwards. We don't stand still. Some of us, if we're honest, we're on the bench. We're not even playing. We're not even participating. The Christian life is a race. We're supposed to be running. The coach says, we have to run with endurance. We have to persevere. Suffer patiently without yielding. We need to know that endurance is not hanging in there. I've used that phrase myself many a times. It's really not helpful. This is a call to faithful obedience, active obedience to the Lord. We have to be diligent. 
requires effort for the Christian. We can't coast. We can't be comfortable. It's too easy to do those things. We have to stay engaged. It's not let go and let God. You know, another unhelpful Christian cliche. It's a race. So we have to vigorously practice our faith. You know, some of you have played sports. Most of you maybe have played sports. You know that it You know, practice makes perfect. We have to continue to be active and involved. And the thing with endurance is that it has to be actually developed. There's a process that happens. And to do that, you have to practice regularly and consistently without giving up. So we've we've told our kids, you start the sport, you you finish the the sport, right? You you continue uh, steadfastly and you don't give up. Parenting can be hard. I think children are given to us to keep us humble. How many parents have given up on disciplining their kids because the child just simply won't change? I've told them three times to stop. I've taken things away. But the child still persists. Enduring may mean that I have to have the long haul in mind. I have, I have to think... Uh, not necessarily solving this issue in days or in weeks, but it may take months and sometimes years of repeated, consistent discipline. Most of us just don't change quickly. That's the nature of it. It's true of almost everything in our lives. We have to habitually and steadily stay the course. The key to staying on track is, according to our text, is Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the one who initiates our faith. He's the one who will bring it to completion. We, we have moments of unbelief. We, we lack faith. We, we doubt God in His Word. And, but Jesus knows how much we can handle. He will enable us to cross the finish line. You see, Jesus knows all about endurance. He endured the cross, despising the shame The cross was a horrible, painful punishment. It was extremely humiliating as you stand there naked while everyone watches you die. And you think that Jesus did that for us? He died in our place. He took our sin on Him. He did it for sinners like you and like me who really deserved the cross. That's just glorious and amazing. He could have gotten down from the cross. He could have quit. He could have said, I'm not going to do this anymore. But he endured it for us. Do you know that, Jesus? I mean, it's certainly possible you're here this morning and you don't don't know him. You know of him, but you haven't trusted in him. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? He is here waiting for us. He's at the finish line saying, come, come, I want to rescue you. But what, what, what was it that sustained Jesus through this? I mean, how, how did he continue to endure? And we say, well, he was, he was God in the flesh. Of course he was going to able to do it. But there, there's more to it. What pushed him to persevere? Our text says that it was the joy that was set before him. That's what he was looking at. Jesus had his eye on the prize. He kept in mind the reward of the finish line. 
He knew that on the other side of the cross, that sinners would have their sins forgiven. If he just persevered, there would be many who would come to know him. Of course, this brought him joy. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep pressing on. And when you and I keep our eyes on the joy of the finish line, it just drives us to say, let's go another lap. Let's keep on going. Because you know, this Christian race that we're in, it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's a long race. There's often uh, people that come to our house on Saturday mornings. It, it, it's, a, it's a weird crew. Uh, they like to run and walk when it's blazing hot and when it's freezing cold. It, 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 it doesn't make any sense. The only reason it does make sense is because there's a prize at the end. Donuts. <laughs> that is still not a, enough incentive for me to run, but I do enjoy a donut in their honor. If you can respond with joy in the midst of your problems, looking to Jesus, you can get through anything. Jesus is enough. Moses exhibited this. Hebrews 11, 24-26. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. Can you imagine what Moses is up against? I mean, it's hard for us to fathom, of course, many years ago. It, but it is, I think, in some ways similar to the way the Christian lives in America. He would rather suffer with God's people. He would rather bear the reproach of saying I'm a Christian and, and I'm following him and, and all the repercussions of that rather than have the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he saw that Christ was of far greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, than the treasures of America. Whew. That's hard, isn't it? We love our stuff. We, we, we love more of our stuff. But what's most valuable to us? Is Christ of greater reward? Is that what's driving us? Well, if Christ is not, then you're going to quit. You're going to give up. Why stay the course? Because those things don't satisfy Brothers and sisters, Jesus in heaven is our reward if we endure with joy and not give up. It's worth it. We probably need to hear that, don't we? It's worth it. My mom was sharing some recent message with me from a woman in Ukraine named Nadia. She's a believer, and she and her husband are literally in the war zone uh, where bombs are going off in Kiev. Listen to her joyful response and endurance despite the awfulness of her circumstances. Hello, Jane. We are okay. Every day brings new challenges, but compared to some other people, we are very blessed. Temporary mild discomfort with power, water, and heating. But I'm very happy that we're all together as a family going through these difficulties together. Some days are better than others. Some days are worse. I don't want to go into details. Listen to her. 
because it can sound like complaining. We are grateful to the Lord for good and bad. Please pray for people. A lot will be suffering during the cold weather. I've been meaning to tell you that this war makes me pray more than ever. And I can't help liking it. We have two hours of electricity during the day. So you pray when you cook or wash the dishes or take a shower. Praising God for the facilities. A couple of times were really scary when we could hear drones right above our heads. But those moments helped me to realize how blessed we are with each other. So many things we take for granted and that this war has revealed to us. Thank you for your prayers. It's also a gift from the Lord to have people who can support you in this way. Love you. That really puts endurance with joy in perspective, doesn't it? How easily you and I, of the most simplest of things, find ourselves discontent, unhappy. And the reason why is because we're not fixed on the prize. Heaven is, well, I hope I get there someday and it will be fine when I get there, but is that, is that not the longing of the Christian life? I, I long for the prize. Running the race with endurance means Staying focused on the prize. And lastly, study Jesus. Study Jesus. For me, I think, maybe probably many of you, the most challenging struggle is responding to difficult people. You know, you get all emotional inside. You're tempted to give a verbal tongue lashing. Jesus, of course, faced multiple people problems. People were cruel. They were unfair. Self-righteous Pharisees were trying to trap him. Religious people made up rumors and lied about him. His own disciples, his friends, disappointed him and even deserted him in his darkest hour. Of course, we know Peter denied him three times. I know the hurt, or I know that I have hurt, said things that hurt, people that done things that have hurt people i know you have done things that have hurt people this is the nature when sinners come together relationships can be painful we're all guilty at times of sinning against others and being sinned against so what our coach says to us is in the midst of this study jesus verse 3 says consider him he wants us to take a moment and think about jesus look at how he endured. Think about what he went through. He put up with so much hatred. Perhaps you've seen some of these runners and they're in the lead, they're winning, they're, they're riding their bike or whatever, and they do this thing where they, they decide to turn around and, and look back, and, and then all of a sudden, they trip and fall or someone passes right by them. We always get ourselves into trouble when we're focused on how others have wronged us or how they didn't give us what we expected or wanted. We find ourselves growing bitter and even angry. And before you know it, we're sitting on the sideline having a pity party. Instead of exiting the race and growing cynical, we need to consider Jesus. 
Observe how he wisely responded, how he patiently taught others, how he showed mercy, how he was gracious with the ungracious. He also knew that at times when he was dealing with an unteachable person, that sometimes the wisest thing would be is to walk away. It's important to believe that God brings good friends and difficult people into our lives. People are necessary tools to grow us. We actually develop endurance and character when we respond well to these people. It's always about making us like Jesus and bringing God glory. So here's a call. Single-mindedly devoted to Jesus. It makes all the difference in the race. Here's the implication. Jesus is at the finish line. And when I'm focused on Him, I'm seeking to please Him. I, I, I want to sacrificially follow Him. I put my hope and faith in Him. Not in people. Not looking around. You know why? Because Jesus gets it. He understands. Hebrews tells us that He's our great high priest. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. What seems to be apparent is that here are these readers uh, that the author of Hebrews is writing to. They're tired. They're weary. They're exhausted. They've been running this race and they're facing opposition. You're tired of fighting. It's not just one battle. It's multiple hurdles. And you've fallen down and your knees are all scraped up and you have cuts on your face and in your arms. You feel like you're in the boxing ring and you've been beaten in the face multiple times. You're discouraged. You want to give up. But the coach is pleading with us, reflect on Jesus. Ponder what He endured. Study Him because He gets it. He understands. Remember how they treated Him on the cross? They, they mocked Him. They spit on Him. They hit Him over the head with a with some stick. They insulted him. They ultimately crucified him on the cross. And so we need to hear Peter. What did Peter have to say? 1 Peter 2, 21 and 23. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return when he suffered he did not threaten what did he do he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly there it is again we walk by faith by entrusting ourselves to the god who judges justly so we got to keep on enduring we got to fix our eyes on jesus we got to lay aside what's hindering us whatever it is i think one of the best ways for us to do that as a congregation, even this morning, to study Jesus is to consider the Lord's table. Right? I mean, Hebrews provides this really great way for us to celebrate communion. We, we look at Jesus, right? This is our, our, Jesus is our focus. We look back at Jesus on the cross. We look up to Jesus at the right hand of God. He's finished the race. And we look forward to Jesus coming back. Jesus. 